Welcome to the other Where ministers. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. Let's do the music again. Yeah. Why not? That's what I'm thinking, because we can... Welcome to The Other Ministers, the podcast, the live stream, where the other ministers in your church who are not the senior minister or the lead pastor, whatever you call that person, get together and have a podcast. Hank, talk into your microphone. Here we go. Um, check one, two. Oh, it doesn't look like it's coming through somehow. Check the connection on your end. It could be that cable. Check one, two, three, four. It's if it's coming in, it's coming in pretty well. Uh, I wonder if the gain has been changed. Let's check check the gain. Out. Seth has been using this to uh, record his podcast, and so maybe uh, phantom power. No, it's on. I've got, yeah, I've got it set to. I'm just trying to think through all the different things that Seth could have messed up. I mean, that could have changed. We're gonna swap your cable. I think I think that's the issue. I'm gonna mute your channel so that. We don't destroy people's ears if they're listening with headphones. Don't you get curious? I am, yes. Watch me run with you all on my back. I would explain yeah. everything that's going on, but I I don't know. We're just swapping out this. cables here. Um, the the cables, the mic cables that Hank and I are using, are cables that I created in April of 2020. When, created, uh, like you, I, I soldered the connections. That's impressive. Um, yeah, and so I, I did. I, as in April 2020, when everybody and everything was locked inside, uh, as a way to learn something new, learn a new skill, I took. Uh, we had like a hundred or 150 foot blue XLR cable that I chopped up into smaller pieces because we didn't need a 150 foot cable. We needed. Um, like eight smaller cables. So I made those. Okay. Oh, wow. There we go. Now we've got Hank. There it is. Welcome to the podcast, Hank. Thanks. I actually do think it probably was that cable. <laughs> when, I, yeah. when I went to talk into it the first time I got close and it did like static, sh uh, like shock me. Yeah. So I wonder if that was uh, a result of that. Shoddy, shoddy workmanship on the soldering, I'm sure. What do we want to do with this cable then? <clears throat> Oh, keep it. I'll I'll take the end it? off and resolder it. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I'll uh. Should we mark it somehow as being needing to be fixed? Uh, just throw it in that corner, and that'll be the way that we know. That's the one. Got it. Welcome everybody to the podcast. <laughs> this is what happens when you try to do it live. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unorthodox uh, intro today, but it's fine. It's all good. Uh, that's what happens. Listen, we, we made a commitment back in March of 2020 when stuff got real weird. We said, you know, everything we do uh, as a church, we want to do kind of uh, in person. We want to be live. It was important to us to say, to be able to say to our church, if you're watching from home at 10 a.m. on a Sunday, we are here doing this. We're playing these songs. We're preaching this message at 10 a.m. on a Sunday. And um, so that's that's where we are now. I'm doing it with the podcast too. How's everybody doing? I'm doing great, man. It's Bat been a minute. Fresh off of a, of a vacation, which has been nice. I can share a little bit about that. Let's yeah. let's jump in. Let's go right into. Tell me something good. We like to take this uh, uh, portion right at the top of the podcast each week to talk about good stuff that's happening uh, in our lives and in our church. And uh, so, Hank, you, you briefly mentioned, mentioned more in full. You were on vacation for a lot of last week. Yes, I was. We, uh, those of you who have listened before know that my two younger brothers are military, Air Force. Air Force. Stationed yeah. together in South Carolina at Shaw Air Force Base. Is that common for it's pretty siblings. uncommon because okay. everybody that we say that to is like, wow, they're at the same base. They're actually even in the same um, squadron oh, wow. that does the same thing. Interesting. Um, so it, it does seem pretty rare. What but roles are they? 
in. They RPA pilots, okay. remotely piloted aircraft. So they fly drones from South Carolina all around the world. Um, that might have there are lots of you. there are lots of kinds of drones, and they don't really share too much about their job because they can't. I, probably, yeah, I believe probably this is the kind of drones that blow things up. Oh, okay, those kind are the kind that they fly. Interesting. Just based on the little bit that I do know. I mean, but. the other kinds that we have are the kinds that take pictures of things. We yeah, the spy drones. And do we have other types of drones? Not that, not that I know of. Okay, I think it's those two. Do we not have delivery drones for like humanitarian efforts? Because Probably not the Air Force. That seems like it could be a good idea. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. I know we the Air Force does at least used to do supply drops and stuff. Mm-hmm. I. Would think they would might have drones. Yeah, I would. Nice I, I would like think that. the issue would be quantity. That to 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 drop enough supplies to really do some good somewhere would require a larger aircraft. Than yeah, we currently have. That dr- could be remotable. Yeah, yeah, remotely piloted. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so they both do that. Um, William has been gone, you know, to training most of this year. Back to like January, I think was when he started mm-hmm. going to get some of that stuff done. So he's been in San Antonio, New Mexico, <clears throat> lots of different places. But has recently concluded all that, gotten back before. Um, so before everything got too busy, we wanted to try to take some time, have everybody get together because that hasn't happened in a while. Yeah, it's probably awesome. since the holidays last year. So that's good. Um, so yeah, it was nice for all of us to be able to get together. And we were in South Carolina. Also, we went. So they live in Sumter, which is a little bit more on the coastal side, not as mountainous. Uh, but we took, drove about three hours, ended up in the mountains, and it was great. It was a good time. Nice. Lots of hikes. Some beautiful scenery. Beautiful places. It was a little dreary, so it felt very like fall. Mm-hmm. Fall leaves, beautiful mountains, beautiful. Being up in the um, mountains when it's like misty and drizzly yeah. makes it feel like a fantasy, a fantasy land. It does, you know what it, I mean? yeah, yeah. It, it does feel like like that. this is this is the misty mountains. Yeah, this is Tolkien. Oh, yeah. The colors were actually coming in. Is it? That oh yeah, it was pretty much it was pretty much fully in. I took a great picture. I posted on my Instagram that I just felt like was a com- was like a computer. That was a really good picture. Yeah. 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 On this iPhone, my old oh, iPhone. Wow. My alternate <laughs> caption was "shot on your grandma's iPhone" for that. If I uh, <laughs> I had a couple of ideas, but I decided to do "coming soon to a computer desktop near you." Hmm. That was, was of was uh, a Table desk, Rock. A desktop worthy picture. Yeah. yeah. Table Rock. Uh, we went into the state park. They have that lake there, Pinnacle Lake, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. They have a trail so. that yeah. goes around that whole lake. So we got kind of all the way out to the other side. And then it just was like, I was like, wow, that's really pretty. And then I took a picture. There's a lot of rock parks up there. There's Table Rock. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah. I forget if Hanging Rock is North Carolina or South Carolina, but there's a Hanging Rock. Um, there's a Sliding Rock. Yes, I've been to yeah. Sliding Rock. Mm-hmm. Sliding Rock is fun. It's good stuff. Very cold, very cold. The water. Oh yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a mountain, mountain stream. Yeah, that's the what Carolinas they do. The Carolinas have some. We used to go up there for when I was in scouts for summer camps, and the water was even in the summer, mm-hmm. always frigid. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, mountain. <clears throat> oh, I I love mountain streams. My my grandparents, uh, when I was growing up, they had a, uh, they, they called it the branch. Because they were hillbillies, um, but it was it was the branch that ran through the uh, the back. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, it's <laughs> all right. I'm trying to share this so we can have people watching. Oh, okay, yeah, and, uh, yeah, share it out, I man. Keep, uh, I'm gonna back away from this. But uh, they they were old school enough that rather than putting uh, like a watermelon in the refrigerator, Grandma would take it out to the branch and wedge it under a rock. Oh, I love and just that. let the stream cool it. And it was, it was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Things you can't do in Florida. <laughs> Things you cannot do in Florida. I hope that my wife's not listening to this because she's already missing the fall. Oh, yeah. that we're yeah. used to. So this is yep. looking into a little window. Of a she's, man- she's managing okay? She's she- Yeah. yeah. We're, we're getting used to the, it's. This was a cool week. Which supposed was, to be back couple, into the 50s for lows by the end of the yeah, week. Yeah, we had a couple yeah. cool days the last couple of days. Had some fires, so that was almost felt 
almost felt like fall. If you closed your eyes and didn't look at the color of the trees. If you went outside in the the wee hours of the morning when it's its very coolest, you're like, this is almost chilly. Yeah. Well, we (laughs) were on the beach on Wednesday and we did, um, we actually went out Tuesday night. This will be my, tell me something Yeah, go for it. Tell us something Um, good. That was, that was really nice. My parents were on vacation out there and we went out for one day and walked around on the beach at night. Um, Only ones on the beach beautiful with the stars um and then again in the morning for sunrise which maybe like back to back like stargazing at the night and then sunrise was a yeah didn't leave as much time in the middle for sleep but uh we needed a jacket it was nice and cool especially with the wind coming off the ocean so that was Hmm. that was really good that is good day and a half i one of the coldest times that I can remember in my life was, it was not legitimately cold, but it was at Rosemary Beach, Florida, over in the Panhandle. Oh, yeah. And uh, took took a trip with some friends from college, and we had well, one friend whose family would save up, uh, and every two or three years, they would take a trip between Christmas and New Year's and like rent a house at Rosemary Beach. Um, and they would always get to bring friends. So we, we got to go with, we being the, our group, we had a group of like four or five friends. And uh, so we went with Megan's family, but I went out on the beach one morning and it was, I, I don't know what the actual temperature was, but between whatever temperature it was and the, like the humidity that you get at the beach when it's cold makes it even colder Yeah. and then breeze on top of that. And I, I was just so miserable. We were walking on the beach and I was just. I mean, jeans and uh, probably a T-shirt, but had like a fleece pullover over that and was just freezing cold. I was miserable. Beach cold is a unique type of cold. Yeah. Yeah. Miserable kind of cold. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, well, I'll just keep the, the good things going. Speaking of being miserable and cold. Um, no. Uh, my good thing is it's, it's World Series time which is always great. And uh, uh, since the last time we recorded, uh, which was right before the 15 days ago. I yeah. Think. Yeah. So that would have been right as the National League Championship Series was kicking <clears throat> off. It was. Yeah. Because it was Tuesday of that week because Monday was Columbus Day and I took that day off to go fish. Um, but uh, the Braves made it to the World Series. Game six is tonight. They're up three to two. We have two more chances to win one game, but we have to do it in Houston. We couldn't close it out at home. Um, so it's exciting because there's not just being in the World Series, but a really decent shot of winning one of these next two games and uh, and winning the World Series for the first time since I was in sixth grade. Wow, long Just a long time. That's great. Yeah, 95 was the last time they won. Oh, and 99 was the, was the last time they were even there. 95? That was the year I was born. Yeah. So they've not won it in your lifetime. That's Unless true. you were born before. I was born in December, so they... Yeah, not before your lifetime. lifetime. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, I was a sophomore in high school the last time they even appeared in the World Series. <clears throat> Um, I'm trying to give them all the mojo I can. If you're not watching, if you're just listening, I've got my, my Babe Ruth Braves jersey. It's a sick jersey. Said this before. It's an underappreciated fact about uh, the great Bambino. He finished his career with the Boston Braves. Hit numbers, home runs number 713 and 714 in his final game with the Braves. So I'm trying to bring that mojo. Um, I tell people when it comes to like postseason baseball, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. A little stitious. Yeah. 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 It's a really cool jersey. I like the old... uh, that old um, Braves. Yeah, this is, a, this is a replica 1935 Babe Ruth jersey. Number three, uh, stitched on the back. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, but yeah, that's good. It's good. Postseason baseball is good. And I'm, I'm tired because um, about half of the games against the Dodgers in the championship series started at... 8 30, that kind of thing. And then all the World Series games have been like 8.15. And uh, so I've just been staying up late watching baseball and being tired for two weeks now. Yeah. yeah. But I keep telling Michelle, it, it's the it's World Series. It's coming to an end. But like the World Series isn't going to watch itself. Yeah. 
I gotta gotta be there. Gotta see it. Should be good. Should be a good game six. It's Max Freed um, pitching for the Braves, who um, has been really good all year long. It, his uh, his first start was in Houston in game two, and he, he got touched up a little bit, and they lost that one. Um, so hopefully he's like ready for some redemption and to to finish out the series. Um, I'm gonna be very. I'm gonna have a hard time managing, like, the 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 sense of hopelessness if they don't win tonight. I'm gonna have a hard time having hope for Game Seven, just because growing up in Atlanta, being an Atlanta sports fan. I mean, the Braves were in the World Series five times in the '90s, five or six times, and won one, which is a pretty low percentage. Uh, the the Falcons, um, if you talk to anyone who's a Falcons fan and you say the words 28 to 3, like their their aisles start twitching because that was the Super Bowl against the Patriots where the Patriots were supposed to be so, so, so good. And we were up 28 to 3 at halftime and lost that Super Bowl 33 to 28. Um, and so like the history of Atlanta sports over and over, the, the story has been almost getting there and then falling short. And so it will be very hard for me if they don't win tonight to have any hope for tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah. So just really hoping they win tonight. Um, I want to see it. It's been a long time. Yeah. So certainly deserved. And it's good either way. That's the thing. Yeah. The, this team, the, the last team to go, sorry, no, no team has ever gone as deep into the season without a winning record and then won the world series as it would be for the Braves this year. The only other team that's come anywhere even close was the 1914 Braves, who were called the Miracle Braves. They spent 91 games under 500. This team spent 102, 101 or 102 games under 500 this year. So this this would be the new Miracle Braves. Yeah, definitely. They won it this year. Yeah, Definitely. So I'm excited. It's going to be good. I'm going to stay up late and watch the whole thing and stress eat. And feel really terrible tomorrow morning and hope that that's the end of it. And I don't have to do it again tomorrow night. Because <laughs> the stress eating will be even worse if it's game seven, for sure. What is your go-to stress eating? Uh, I stocked up on chips and salsa. That's a great... That is a great one. Yeah. Um, I can't think of the name of it right now, but I found a salsa on the international aisle at Publix that I really like. They sell it on a mild, medium, and hot. And I got the medium... <coughs> And it's a good like restaurant style, but with a, a little more kick than you would normally get out of a restaurant salsa. Yeah, yeah. I also got some pace uh, salsa con queso. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. It's yeah. not. It's nothing special. What sort of chips do you do? Do you do like a uh, like this, a tostito? Yeah, this, this time around I did scoops. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are good. It, it they are good, but what I find is that when it gets down to the dregs in the bowl the shape of the scoop makes it really hard to really clean the bowl out. So I, f- I feel like there's some waste. That's why I don't normally do scoops. Yeah. yeah. That's when you just start licking it out. Well, yeah. You got to commit. You got to go all the way. With with the queso, the salsa con queso for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, let's move on to uh, to our first. I See, it's been long enough since we did this. I don't remember which pad is which. I think this is our transition music. Yes. Nice. Guess Good right. guess. Is Seth joining us? Oh, uh, I didn't text him. When do you guys want to text him? You got it? Sure. Hunter's got walk it. Over. Yeah, he is just in the next room over. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to find him on my phone. We, uh, we like to take a little bit of time uh, each time we get together and talk about our service and our message, uh, our sermon from the previous week previous Sunday, which is, again, we normally do this on Mondays. So it's usually like just yesterday, but, um, we've, we've all had kind of weird schedules the last couple of weeks. So it's Tuesday again. Uh, anyways, we like to start with, let's talk about yesterday, um, and kind of, kind of our service and what happened, what was said, how that went. Initial thoughts. This was week, was this week two? Yeah. What did we talk about? Game of Life. Yep. 
In the game of life, you win or you die. No, that's the Game of Thrones. <laughs> I only watched some of this, full disclosure. <laughs> so I uh, we were just trying to watch a little bit while I was gone. But our cell service up there in the mountains was pretty horrendous and bad. So I didn't get a chance to hear all of it yet. So maybe if you guys tee it up, then I can contribute in a, in a better way. I think uh, the, the, <laughs> the elevator pitch would be uh, something along the lines of, um, you know, the, the example that we see in Jesus, the example that we see um, from, from God, uh, sending Jesus to be the type of Messiah that, that, that Jesus was and is, uh, is sort of signifying that all of the normal ways that we adjudicate success and winning in life are not really the point. Yeah. Um, that it's, that it's more of a, well, I honestly, I mean, to, to put it in similar terms that we talked about in our production meeting, that it's more of a, of a character thing. It's more of a, uh, who, who you are, um, is far more important than what you achieve, what you acquire, um, that kind of thing. And he used, used the illustration of the game of life, the, the board game that, you know, you may have grown up playing and, um, the rules on how you win are basically amounts to like who finishes the game with the most money. Yeah. And then at the end, you you still have to pack it up and put it away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so the main verse was Paul's writing about, like, we preach the foolishness of Christ crucified. Christ crucified is what, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. And so Seth was using the game of life as this example of, yeah, when you, when you play... When you play by the... Another Amazon delivery somewhere, <laughs> probably. <laughs> when you play by the rules of the game of life, when you're trying to gain status and power and the most money that you can, then the the rules of the kingdom of God, the, the way that Jesus lives into this title of Messiah, become a threat to how you're gaining, trying to move up in your power structure. And mm -hmm. so we, we play this game of life where we try to make money and then we die and then we just put it back in the box or we go into the box. Uh, nothing really happens and continues with all this stuff we've been building our whole lives. One might say it's a bittersweet symphony, this life. Yes. Try to make ends meet, you're slave to money, and then you die. But Christ crucified is this <laughs> new, right? Outside, uh, it's a totally different game. God's what Seth kept saying. God doesn't even. God's not playing the game of life that mm -hmm. we are. Yeah, I, and it's interesting. The um, just sort of the 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 connotation of like reading <clears throat> reading things kind of in a in a messianic way, uh, if that makes sense. Um, like I, I was listening to a podcast and they were, they were talking about reading, uh, the story of David and Goliath through a messianic lens, reading it as messianic literature. And for most of us, like the way that we were taught about David and Goliath as kids or even in sermons as adults is it's like, it's, it's either, you know, just here, here's the story of, of David and Goliath. And this, this is a story about God, you know, working through someone who's small and insignificant and God can work through you the same way. You know, David was the youngest of his family. He was, he was a, a young shepherd boy against this nine foot giant with all this armor and all this kind of stuff. Or it gets taught as, um, what's your Goliath? What's the Goliath in your life that you're facing? And what are the five smooth stones? You know, what, what are the five, the five tools you need in your tool belt to help you slay your Goliath? And, you know, it gets taught as kind of this um, sort of, I, I, I can do it like with God's help sort of thing. Uh, but on this podcast, they were, they were talking and they, they made the point, if you, if you read it through a messianic lens, then you start to see stuff like... Um, Goliath is described as having a bronze armor that was like fish scales. Um, and the word for bronze in Hebrew is very similar to the word for serpents. And so you're brought back to 
the bronze serpent that Moses put up in the Israelite camp. During the Exodus, you're brought back to the garden where the serpent is there. And so then you've got Goliath, who's described as the sons, the son of one of the Nephilim. And so you're being brought back into this older story and you eventually end up back in the garden where, you know, God says to Adam and Eve, uh, the serpent is going to strike at your heel. You'll crush, you'll crush its head, your offspring, you know? And so it sets up like, this is not just David, the shepherd boy against Goliath, the giant, but this is a, this is a way of, of telling the same story of humanity and sin and sort of this, this whole story. And it, the interesting thing is that that sort of flips the meaning of it, because then it's not even like overcoming your Goliath, but it's, it's more of a story of um, choosing to do things in the way that God does things. And then you see Jesus, you carry the story forward. Jesus was nonviolent, right? Even when attacked, um, you know, there's, there's one point in his ministry where people are like uh, mobbing him basically. And he, and he just kind of walks through and maybe yeah, that, that was, was like a supernatural early thing in his, that was his first sermon in Luke. Yeah. But right after that. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's, he's not fighting back. He, you know, famously tells Peter, uh, when Peter cuts the kid's ear off, when they come to arrest him, he's like, put that away. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Um, Paul says later on, um, you know, you, you should have the same attitude of, uh, of Jesus, and he goes through all this stuff where Jesus gave up power and he humbled himself. He, he submitted. Um, Paul also says, our, you know, later on, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Right. So Paul is saying your battle is never against another person. But when we read the David and Goliath story as like, who's your Goliath? What's your Goliath? You can overcome. You can strive. You can work. You can battle. You can win. But it's like the exact opposite of what like the totality of the message is. And so I very roundabout way to say this this discussion uh, in the message this week and, and talking about uh, reading those things in, in a messianic way and understanding like what God is saying is this thing we do where we're trying to achieve, we're trying to earn, we're trying to um, we're trying to overcome, we're trying you know all this stuff. It's just not it's it completely misses the point. Completely misses the point of what God's trying to do and what He wants us to be trying to do as well. We have the, um, the book of Mark gospel of Mark is a great example kind of of that, that we, um, Mark sets up his telling of the gospel saying like, here's Jesus. It's not like he makes it very clear to the, the readers. This is Jesus, the son of God, he's the Messiah, one word we've been waiting for. But as you go through the story, it's never fully revealed to the apostles. So you get the what dramatic irony, situational irony, which are, you get the irony of as the reader, you understand who Jesus is from the very beginning throughout the stories, but mm -hmm. everyone in the story is trying to figure it out. And it's not until Jesus is hanging on the cross that you get the full, truly this must be the son of God. And so as, as Mark is writing through it, the, the full understanding of who Jesus is, is seen upon that release of power um, and, and that, that nonviolent release of power instead of holding on to power at all costs. Mm -hmm. um, because it's such a, and it's so surprising if, if you're reading through for the first time, like that's such a surprising turnaround because it, it goes against everything that we're taught by society. It goes against the game that we've been taught to play. Yeah. And it changes how, uh, how, how you define like winning and success. Mm -hmm. Like I can remember the first time playing the game of life. And if you picked it up and never read the instructions first, you might think that like, Oh, you get to the end first and you win. And then you realize that's actually, you know, about having acquired, you know, the most money. Um, and we're sports. I mean, we we're sports guys. So you have an understanding of like, you've got to have the most wins be mm -hmm. on top. Like 
you've got to you score the most points yeah, if score, you want to win yeah, score yeah. the most points and so you know to come to to look at it through a different lens and say winning is you know what if winning wasn't about having the most getting there first squashing everybody else along the way it's until you're the last one that's left like that, that definitely changes things it's a mindset shift for us you know at least very western way to think like you know it's about accumulating it's about collecting it's about you know building up the most for yourself yeah if winning is different than that then if success is different than that if you know joy and happiness are measured differently then that would change the way that lots of people would operate and it's been so ingrained into us producing this means justify the end mentality whatever we need to do to win that will be okay because it's all about the status the power the wealth and once i get that i can then rewrite the past of what i did to get there Um, but that was never the mind even in the church that's become the mindset a lot of times Um, and we see that throughout christian history Um, but the early church um lead church fathers and church mothers that was not the mindset in the first two centuries coming out of the life of jesus in the beginning of christianity it was always the the means are actually part of the end it's not mm-hmm. the inseparable the means and the end are the same thing were we move towards the peace and the love of the kingdom of God by living out the peace and the love of the kingdom of God now, right. not by using violence and power and threat to get to love and peace, mm-hmm. because then what type of love and you're creating love and peace out of a fear and force. Love and peace or else. Yeah. 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 No. And I, I think that's, I, th- I think what you're describing is what is meant by, you know, the, the phrase, about get, gaining the whole world yet losing your soul. Um, you know, I'm, I'm more and more convinced that who, who we are and who we are becoming is always more important to God than what we do, what we achieve. Um, you know, if, if you are walking down the street preaching baptizing people left and right that's great but if you're a horrible person when you're when you're not doing those things i I think that displeases god um yeah when i think i don't know how else to say it yeah i think sometimes our our short memory and short and and failure to grasp what comes after us sometimes pulls us into that trap of mm. the ends justify the means or it, it I can I can compartmentalize a little more uh, or I need to get a certain amount of stuff done so that I can be good enough in the eyes of God, which um, Seth spends uh, a few minutes in his sermon kind of talking about how, how strange of an idea that is uh, anyway. Um, but if we, one of my favorite verses is in in hebrews and it's at the end of the um i grew up calling it the what the the hall of faith of hebrews 11 where it's going by faith by faith by faith all of these great examples of of acts of faith and then it gets to the end and it says none of the they, they were always looking ahead of them to something that had not yet come um and then it, it ends the chapter just talking about like they, they did not receive all of the promise. They, they lived by faith, but they didn't receive everything. But we live out and we continue the faith that they built upon so that their faith can be made more perfect through us. And so it, it kind of removes this need to achieve so much and get, the, get all of the right things done because we're only here for a little bit of time, we are always moving towards something that's incomplete. And we rely on the hope of those who come after us to also complete our faith, just as we are working to complete the faith 
of those who came before us. So when we're living out of this, I need to get everything done mindset, um, we can't, like we won't. Mm -hmm. Like that's not, that, that's never really part of what we're called to do. It's always that changing of oneself so that we are becoming full images of God in our lives. What does, um, I've just been thinking about this the last couple minutes while we've been talking. What, what does happiness look like for you guys? Like, how do you define it? <laughs> um, that is a, a loaded question. <laughs> um, well, I think we would say that, I think we could define happiness, but I think we would all say that I don't think happiness is necessarily the end goal of our life and what we would want to. Depends on who you, which I, saints you talk to, though. Well, yeah, and I think it depends yeah. on the definition yeah. of happiness as well that you go. That's that's what I'm curious about, because, uh, like, for me, happiness is very much related to contentment, though I don't necessarily... I don't know that I would necessarily say they're the same thing because there's, there's a uh, sort of a positive idea of contentment and a negative idea. Like you yeah. can be content because you've given up. Yeah, like there's, right. there's, there's yeah. a way of being content that starts with, well, I'm never going to have all these things. I'm never going to achieve these things. So I'll like just, you're settling. I'll, yeah. I'll just yeah. live with what I've got. But then there's also a contentment that I think is more kind of what the, the apostle Paul talks about as contentment in Philippians, uh, which I think is more born out of, um, I mean, again, I think it's related to the other type of contentment, but it's basically inst instead of saying, well, I guess I'll never achieve this or have this, so I'll just be okay with what I've got. It's, it's, it's the positive side of that, which says, I'm, I'm going to be content with whatever I have. Which yeah. again, it is a maybe a small distinction, but I think it's an important one. And so for me, like, I I'm, I feel like the times when I am most unhappy are times when I lose hold of that contentment, where I start thinking of of things I don't have, or things I've not done, or play you know places I've never been, or um, you know, comparison games with other people and that kind of stuff, and. I'm I'm wondering on it because the, the happiness thing to me is tied up. It's connected with all this other stuff we're talking about too. Yeah, like it's connected with uh, character and, um, you know, all of that. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm rambling. I would. You, you almost though to push back just a little bit or or come at a different angle. Like you almost need some sense of I don't have this yet. I'm not there yet to first off to, to have contentment um you need to know what what oh i, I something has to things. give us some yeah. shape yeah and also to move forward if you if you never look at or understand or grasp or recognize what you don't have then you don't have the potential for growth so mm. you almost there is some discontentment that is necessary for growth and growth is necessary for growing our image of God and growth is necessary for this growth, this happiness. And so we almost need discontentment to be happy um, or who, to grow in our happiness. Who was it that talks about holy discontent? Was that like an early church father, church writer or something who wrote about that? Or is that more of a recent... Oh, let me do some research here. Well, Hank's pulling that up, bringing up other scholars. Um, I would recommend for you and anyone else listening, uh, Paul Waldell has a really great book called Happiness in the Christian Moral Life. So it's an introduction to um, Christian ethics, but he, he sets up happiness as this marker, this end goal, this goal of the Christian moral life. Uh, and he pulls from... Um, a couple of the saints that came before, but um, Aquinas, I believe it's Aquinas that kind of lines happiness up with this companionship with God. Mm -hmm. um, that that happiness comes from our relationship and our companionship with God, which can only be realized 
through growing our not just a relationship with God, but a relationship with those around us as well. What was that book called? Um, Happiness in the Christian Moral Life. In um, or and? And. And. And then uh, Augustine writes about happiness and kind of compares it to this. He talks about the ordering of goods um, and that we, we can only grasp this lasting, full, deep, thick understanding of happiness if we are able to put our goods in relative order. Mm-hmm. Um, so like food and relationships and all, like all of these are good, good things. Um, but if we, if we take too much of one of those goods, then we become discontent and unhappy because mm-hmm. we've had too much of something good. So he talks about this, find this the struggle through life to find which goods uh, what order the goods need to be in and how much of each good gotcha uh, and that our happiness comes from in part from this ordering of goodness with mm-hmm. god kind of as, as so the like top of that my my stomach feels discontent after uh eating a bag of chips and a jar of salsa yeah but during, during a yeah. stressful yeah. world with, series game yeah. it also feels discontent <laughs> with nothing in it that it's, it's yeah. a balance between those two it does appear that uh there is a book holy discontent by bill highballs hmm. matt chandler i also has a series i guess or a or a talk entitled holy discontentment i would have thought that that phrase would have predated both of those guys i mean yeah, this is Maybe just not. you know one page of google i could probably keep going yeah 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 um yeah so all that that's just the first couple of things that i saw i'll keep digging all that to say that I, I kind of view happiness as a as a journey. Like it, it is our mm-hmm. journey towards. Um, so so Seth, we just had our series of uh, Telios, Telios, uh, depending on how you want to pronounce the Greek. Telios, Telios. Um, but there's that's the adjective. The noun form is til, uh, Telios. Um, soup the English um, would be T E L O S. I mm-hmm. uh, so you just shot the I, but that is understood as the end goal this is the the completeness um and that happiness is found in this journey a a proper journey towards this end goal this purpose that we were Mm -hmm. created for um now that um end goal is debated much in academia on what that actual end goal is um supposed to be um, which makes the journey towards that uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of ha- has been my recent splurges into trying to figure out hap- what happiness might be is, is this, this journey towards that, uh, towards everything that God has created us to be and to do. And that when we are moving towards that, even when we when we have a lot or when we don't have anything at at all, uh, the materials uh, possessions around us matter less in that equation of happiness. Um, and it's more about the journey towards it. And I mm-hmm. I can journey towards that end goal whether I have a lot of stuff or I have very little stuff. Yeah. Um, and that that's what some of it might help support that journey a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can still move in that direction. So I can still find happiness irregardless of possessions or um, things things around me. Do you draw a distinction between happiness and enjoyment? Oh, I haven't been asked that question yet. Um, <laughs> like I was just thinking about something like a, a guitar. You know, I, I I play guitar. I enjoy playing guitar. I enjoy fishing. Um, I would put enjoyment within like enjoyment is part of happiness and not the other way around. Is how I would like it's just, it's, yeah. it falls underneath the understanding of happiness. Okay, and not. And happiness doesn't fall under enjoyment. If that, that would be my first thoughts on it. Because yeah, I. So you would say that it's impo- it's possible to enjoy something, without necessarily experiencing that as happiness. Yeah, because I I if I'm taking happiness as moving towards the 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 end goal that God created me to move towards, 
when I, I can enjoy a good that God's created for me in a way that doesn't move me towards that happiness. And I will find enjoyment in it for a time. Um, but then my happiness after it will decrease because uh, it moved me away towards that goal. So some mm. things, playing guitar or um, fishing like that, that's an enjoyment that can move you towards because fishing, you're spending time in nature and God's creation. You're, you're becoming closer to the world that God has created mm -hmm. us to steward. And so when you're enjoying that properly, it moves you towards happiness um, but you can take the exact same enjoyment of fishing um, and do it in mass scale in a way that destroys the environment and you can still take enjoyment from it but theoretically with a conscious afterwards there's this decrease mm -hmm. in happiness because oh you, you hit this realization of i might have enjoyed this but it did not move me towards something yeah. better well and, and I, I assume you would say that's how we end up with you know, certain certain sinful things are enjoyable. Yeah. Um, because it's a but, good but that ultimately, God created us with. Yeah. To in, God created us to enjoy that. We are just enjoying it in the wrong way. Yeah. We have or, or towards towards the wrong end. Yeah. Or, yeah. or as yeah. Augustine might say, we have misordered that good. Hmm. This maybe is just a terminology thing for me, but I, uh, happiness for me for for some of the same reasons that you sort of said like happiness is fleeting like it's not permanent in my mind so that's why i think what if it you know happiness is to me is not the end goal joy i i would say is because mm -hmm. joy feels more more permanent completeness i mean like we talked about with you know teleos i would say that is that is a goal happiness i think helps you get closer to that or have a better understanding of what that is but like we're talking about what is happiness, you know, for me, that's, you know, not that that's not something I want to build my life around. If I just mm -hmm. chase happiness, then I'm only then then I'm not going to be, you know, complete. I'm not going to be able to fully appreciate the things to be happy about if I just try to collect as much happiness as, as I can. You know what I mean? So, sure. yeah, it's uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's definitely where the terminology Terms like joy and happiness and enjoyment are hard to discuss until you define with your discussion partner yeah, what mm -hmm. you mean. Because yeah. are you talking about a thin version of happiness that is fleeting or a thicker version of happiness, which is what we sometimes call biblical joy? Um, and each term has been used so many different ways so yeah i think helping yeah. kind of like saying like define that that yeah. difference is very very important in any conversation about these terms yeah yeah well thanks for following that digression i just so something we said probably 10 minutes ago made me think of that question i thought it was worth asking yeah so um let's move on to let's talk about this week where are we at on time? I didn't start, we the, are, I didn't start the clock over here. Let's check on OBS. Uh, 12.54, I don't know what time we started. So I'm showing 54 late. minutes on OBS. Okay. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's, let's spin this into sort of takeaways uh, for this week. Stuff that um, might be worth remembering, incorporating as a spiritual practice, that kind of thing. Yeah. I This is one I came away from going... I, I think in general, I mean, I certainly have moments where I, where I fail at this, but I think generally I do a good job not viewing life as not, not viewing the purpose of life as a series of achievements and, um, acquisitions and that kind of thing. Um, so I, I was thinking through like, you know, what, what does a, what does a practical next step look like for me this week? And I'm not, I'm not entirely sure honestly. Yeah. Cause I think most of us would say, you know, it, it's pretty, it, it's pretty elementary to be like, you know, don't get caught up in what everybody else says your life should be like, yeah. figure that out for yourself. Like that's pretty, mm -hmm. pretty straightforward. But I might put a little bit of a twist. So 
the the rise of postmodernism has moved towards don't let the society around you don't let the meta narrative that the society has forced upon you define um what makes you happy or what moves you forward or what your end goal is find that be you be true to yourself find what makes you happy find what you want to move towards um and sometimes we transplant that on into scripture and say as long as yeah, I'm not doing what the world's doing. We take that as a win. But then when we, we shift, we're also not doing what God's telling us to move towards. But we land towards, I'm not doing what the world's doing. So I'm being countercultural, um, but I'm doing what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we we take that and then we implant that and we find, use confirmation bias to find that pick apart certain scriptures or fragments of scriptures and say, look, this goal that I have created for myself, is that true in the Bible? I pulled it from the Bible and I, and then say, well, no, this was my Goliath to slay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's taking a hard look. I think kind of what my next step is, is, is taking a hard look of, okay, is that what I'm doing? Am I, I, I'm pushing against culture. Um, First off, am I pushing against culture in a way that's healthy or am I pushing against um, it's not saying that all of cult- culture is irredeemable or bad that can I learn to rejoice in the good that's in culture while pushing against what's not good? Can I can I live in that that gray area? Um, have I have I created my own destiny um, that is not aligned with scripture, but have read that back into scripture Um and ha- and and kind of assess my relationship with culture and myself in terms of okay, well, what what really is God pushing me towards, and does it challenge? Um, I always get a little weary when when I'm not challenged by reading scripture. Yeah, because um, I'm like because. The first thought is cool. I've made it. Yes, and then it's like, oh, wait a second. I'm 25. I have limited life experience, limited biblical knowledge. I probably don't have it all together. I should probably go back and reread some scripture and see where I have closed my eyes to stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really important to the self awareness, like. You know, I think it's easy for, or at least what I see in a lot of people like my age is that, you know, you're young, you're hungry, like you've got to figure it out. If you could just put, put the work in the effort in, you know, talking about this game of life, like they have limited, limited life experience, but how, you know, by either, you know, what, you know, you're your parents have told you is important or by what you see peers or somebody else doing that has led to them achieving some sort of thing that you view as success. Like you just say, you know, I've got, you know, I've got the game plan to reach the thing that I think that I want. So I'm going to go for that. Like, you know, that can lead to, you know, operating on that limited understanding is going to give you, you know, limited success you might achieve the thing that you set out to achieve and get there and realize i am still i'm lacking in so much more that i didn't even that wasn't even a thought in my mind when i was making this plan to get there yeah like now i've reached this point and still feel still feel empty somehow still feel like there's something i've got to chase and figure out and you know the next thing to conquer the next goliath to to go after so I, I think that maybe the maybe one of the takeaways for me is, you know, when you, you know, not to play the game of life, but maybe to add to add on to that, like that it's not something we can figure out on our own. Like you've got to lean on the scriptures. You've got to lean on, you know, wisdom that comes from, you know, people in your life that you look up to of, you know, a variety of counsel, variety of input to arrive at that place where you can say, you know, and have that self-awareness to say, 
if I did it all the way that I thought that I that I needed to do it, if I did it all in, in that way and, you know, did it my way, it would not end up, you know, maybe the way that I think that it would. So maybe that's my takeaway is that, you know, making those sort of decisions in, in a bubble, you'll be limited, you know, to only, you know, you'll be limited in, in the same way. You'll, you'll still be, you'll, you'll be limited by, you know, what, it, what it is that you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a hard, maybe you're better at it than I am, but that's a hard balance of, um, of finding that because the, there is some goodness in that, that hungriness and that, that striving yeah. that you talked about, because that's how real change, real change can happen through, through some of that. But it's also balancing that with, um, I can't remember the exact terms Aquinas uses like r- rational knowledge and like revelational knowledge yeah. that there's, yeah, there's stuff that we can learn and we can, that, that God's created this world to run in a way where we can strive and push and learn yeah. and, and figure stuff out. But there's also some aspects that we can't, we have to get through scripture. We have to get through prayer. We have to get through fellowship. And I don't know, I find it really hard to find that balance of what, yeah. which, how do I blend those together in a way that, yeah paints a, a comprehensive understanding of life for me it it, it manifests itself in uh, interestingly enough that i have multiple jobs and that mm-hmm. i can work in multiple like industries and you know i i work in pro sports people who are in that realm are the kind of people like that are very driven very motivated they have the plan the structure they have the people around them you know that you know you get this internship go here do that like they have this whole thing sort of figured out and then you know knowing people who are doing that and having conversations with them about you know life and what it is like you know they're they're always chasing the next thing they're out of place for a year or two before they get dissatisfied for whatever reason on to the next you know not making enough not far enough along for whatever it is that you want. Like, so you're on to the next, on to the next, on to the next all the time. So I've am really grateful like that for me in my life, I can take like, you know, working in church, what that teaches me and, and what that I feel like instills in me, but also weighing that with, you know, working in, Working in working in sports, working in entertainment, and what it takes to do that. Yeah, taking all of that together and saying, you know, there's there's definitely good in both, but being able to take that together and learn from that to become a better, to become a more holistic person, taking the taking the experience from both, I feel like makes me better. To be able to have people that I can talk with and share with in both spheres in both realms yeah. to be able to say, you know, that this is, you know, this is good. This is also good. How can I try to, you know, in my life, bring these, bring these together to find, you know, my most content, most happy, most joyful self. So that's how it plays out for me at least. Cool, man. Uh, well, we're, we're about out of time. This has been a good discussion. Thank you, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. If you are uh, watching or listening and would like to participate in the discussion, tell us tell us how you define happiness and contentment and all this stuff we've been talking about. Uh, you can send us an email at tom at org. That's the letters T-O-M at thefoundry, letter C, dot org. And uh, we will, unless you tell us not to, we'll read your email and um, we'll talk about it and you can be a part of the show. You can participate with us in this. Uh, again, if you are watching uh, or want to watch on our uh, Foundry Family Facebook group, you can join that. And uh, we, we do a pretty good job, I think, when we have comments, like engaging those. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, anything coming up we need to be talking about? We will likely our miss... Our 50th episode is our next episode. Our next episode we're, is we're, 50th anniversary. That's the gold anniversary? I think so. Gold episode, solid gold. Twenty four K. So that's next week, and then probably the week is the week after that Thanksgiving week. I think there's one more. Week. Okay, we may have to miss a week Thanksgiving. We're, we're I, 
Michelle and I are I'll, trying to be gone the whole week. Yeah, I am gone the whole week. So okay, yeah. So we just know, have, know that yeah, that's two more up. episodes before Thanksgiving week. All right. Okay. And then we'll take a week off. And then, uh, I, if memory serves, last year we ended up taking like what three weeks off During around Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Like week before Christmas, Christmas week, and then maybe even New Year's. I don't remember. But during that time, you can hop on our website. We'll have some Advent materials out. So if you, you are know. part of the Foundry Church, there's a lot coming at you that's going to be really good stuff to do solo or with a spouse, with family, with kids, that kind of stuff. It's going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be good. Uh, for now, though, that'll do it for this episode, episode 49 of The Other Ministers. I'm Joe. I'm Hank. I'm Hunter. And we'll be all up in your ear holes next time.